0: subway sports talk dan 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 clear of the closing doors please all right here we go subway sports talk my name is peter kennedy and i am your host thank you so much as always for tuning in to sst an i have a podcast app spotify Anywhere you listen to the podcast, we appreciate you the same. Coming in with the solo podcast today, we're supposed to have something going with my guy Alec Argento and Andrew Kalania talking about Buck Showalter, the new manager of the Mets. We were going to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, amongst other things. Obviously, football season, we were going to sprinkle in some Knicks. We had a big podcast planned, but unfortunately... As, uh, is happening so often in today's day and age, that old thing called COVID. Don't be messing things up. I had COVID a couple weeks ago. Alec had COVID a week or so ago. Andrew's exposed now. Where it's, man, we didn't even see each other. It's crazy out here, man. So stay safe. Hope everybody's safe for the holidays. Can see each other for Christmas. You know, do what you got to do for the new year. See family and all that. Cause man, it's tough out here. And it's tough in the world of sports too. It really is trying to look at these lines for football, trying to make the picks going into Sunday, trying to look at the basketball, who's playing, who's not. I haven't even thought about betting on many basketball games outside of some little things here and there, you know, because it's, it's tough and it's important to be responsible right now, right? It's always difficult to bet and to get these picks correct. But right now with the players, and who is in and who is out? It's even tougher. So bet responsibly, of course. I'm trying to, and uh, thankfully, did so this Sunday. Still with a winning week three and two on the picks. If you don't see those, you better make sure you follow the Instagram at Subway Sports Talk, Twitter at Subway Sports Talk TLK. The whole nine, man, because the picks are doing good. I'm now four games, five games above 500 on the season and we're going to try to keep riding that into the playoffs cuz hey got to trust the process like i've said since the beginning of the year you got to trust the process if you believe that your pick was sound even if it didn't work out cuz of you know odd circumstance crazy turnovers blocked punts last minute decisions by coaches to go for two or not or whatever it may be these little things that were so close And the margin of error was so small, and you lost your bet, but you really felt like you made a good choice. You got to not overreact. You got to keep with the same type of mindset to find that consistency, to find the margin where you do come out on top and continue to make the good, the better decisions, the sound decisions, right? So I had a really, really hot start to the year with the picks. I was like over 10 games above 500 crashed down to earth, had a few bad weeks in a row. I went from six winning weeks in a row to like three or four straight losing weeks. Now I'm back three straight winning weeks again, four or five games above 500. I've been trusting the process. So that's what you got to keep in mind moving forward throughout the rest of the season. Try not to overreact to one week as we've learned anything, if we've learned anything I should say, from this football season is that nothing is set in stone, is that no team is flawless. Nobody out there is going to give you the week you expect every single time. Obviously, that's something that very rarely exists. We do have some juggernaut style teams here and there over the years. Patriots a few times, Chiefs for the past couple, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers here and there, Drew Brees' Saints when they were rolling. Yeah, for sure. You trust them. Even they had their stinkers, right? You may not remember them all the time, but they had them just far and few between. Now everybody's having them. Right now, outside of a few teams, there, there, and a few is a strong word. <laughs> outside of one or two teams, the stinkers are happening frequently. Okay, so you got to be careful. Got to trust the process. Got to keep the keep the research going. Keep your head up, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna get through this. COVID stuff is tough right now. We're gonna get through this. We're gonna keep trying to cash them tickets. And speaking of cashing tickets, I do have something to say about our friends over. At DraftKings, football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner with a single point scored. You need one point scored on the board to win. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TB. PN, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, NJ, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, shout out to DraftKings as always. And DraftKings is going to come up in a minute here to give you a quick lowdown about what I plan on talking about here, it's not gonna be a very long podcast, but there's some intriguing stuff going on in the world of you know, the odds, right? The DraftKings of the world, all the sports books out there. The odds are interesting right now, not just from a, a Super Bowl perspective or a make the playoffs perspective, but from the MVP perspective, amongst other things. And I think it's interesting to to think about now that we're getting closer to the end. We've made it through Week 15 with a few bumps along the way, but now uh, we're getting close to where the MVP voting is going to be in, and we're going to have these playoffs set, and we're going to see who we really like and who really has it, right? Who actually has it when it comes down to the nitty gritty time in January and these playoffs are rolling? Who's going to stay hot? Right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are 10 and 4 with all the drama. That's gone on with them this year with all the doubt that's gone on with the Kansas city chiefs this year and Patrick Mahomes specifically, and even Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and all that jazz. We got the Chiefs sitting at 10 and four on a hot streak right now, put up a good performance against the chargers, a big time performance from Travis Kelsey. And they're on top of the AFC in the NFC. We have the green Bay Packers. They seem to just get it done. Every single week. Have they been perfect? Absolutely not. But they've been probably the most flawless team in the league so far this year. If you think about the Green Bay Packers losses, they have the one that stands out the most. Actually, there's two that stand out the most. Uh, Week one, if you forgot about that, was a long time ago. Against the Saints and then against the Chiefs with Jordan Love starting and no Aaron Rodgers. They lost a tough one against the Vikings. And other than that, They've put together strong performances almost week in and week out. Rounded performances as well, offensively and defensively. After that, man, it's wild out here. It's absolutely wild out here. Packers and Chiefs on DraftKings right now, plus 450 to win the Super Bowl, followed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, plus 650. Patriots, plus 900. Rams and Bills, plus 1,000. And then Cowboys plus 1,200, Colts, Cardinals, 1,600, 1,800. And then you get down to the Titans, 49ers, Chargers, Bengals, Ravens, Vikings, Eagles. Who's even making the playoffs? Uh, Some of those teams, right? Currently, Eagles just won. They're 7-7. They're still not in. The Vikings are 7-7. They got the tie break over Philly. They're at the 7th seed. I don't know if this is the year we see a wild card team make a run, but guess what? In a year like this, anything could happen, and we know that. However, is it going to be the Clash of the Titans, the big guns that we thought about before the season ever started? The most chalky of chalk predictions that anyone could have made coming into this year was Chiefs-Packers. And with much drama and much debating, And much worry about our star-studded quarterbacks. Here we are. Mahomes, Rodgers, leading the way. Interestingly enough, Mahomes creeping up in that MVP conversation. He's now fifth in the rankings. But guess who's crept up to number one, officially? DraftKings, I also checked the other books. Aaron Rodgers. Plus 125 in DraftKings. After the Tom Brady stinker that he laid against New Orleans. He was the favorite going into that one. Now he's number two, followed by none other than running back Jonathan Taylor at number three, plus 750. Also in the race, Stafford, Mahomes I mentioned, Allen. Now, Cooper Cup in the race at number seven here on DraftKings, tied with Justin Herbert, Prescott, Kyler Murray. You get the idea. That's about it, right? So now we have two position players in the top seven for MVP discussion. And the where the where I want to go with that one specifically is to talk about these Indianapolis Colts. Because Jonathan Taylor, man, is an absolute dude. We know this. We're not trying to take anything away from Jonathan Taylor right now. That guy's a stud, right? But here's what I want to say about the Indianapolis Colts is if you really pay attention, you know, I pay attention. I listen to a lot of talk, a lot of podcasts, a lot of TV shows, radio shows, Twitter uh, articles that I'm reading the whole nine. I'm watching, I'm reading, I'm looking at stuff. I want to know what people have to say, especially the smart people, but also some other people who maybe aren't so smart. I'm curious. I want to hear it, right? And this Johnson Taylor narrative, I'm for it to an extent. I'm for it to an extent because he's a beast and he deserves his due. He's putting a portion of this team on his back weekly with great performances, right? But with that being said, I think there's still some lingering negativity and lackluster narrative going around about Carson Wentz, and I think it's about time he deserves a little bit more love. And I know he's not coming off the most pristine performance against the New England Patriots here. But playing against the Patriots for me is what really opened my eyes to why we should be giving Carson Wentz more attention and more appreciation for how he's grown and for changing some of the mistakes that we've criticized him so harshly for in the past. So yes, he was only 5 for 12 under 50% completion against the Patriots this past Saturday night. It's not very good. He had an interception. It was just his sixth of the season. But across the way, his contemporary in that game was Mac Jones, who, yes, is a rookie and deserves to be looked at at a different scale than Carson Wentz, who is now in year five or six of his career, maybe seven. All right, So it's a different scale. I get that. However, is it completely fair here to talk about guys like Mac Jones and how phenomenal he's been this year, and how much he's done, and how calm, cool, collected he is for a young quarterback who is 23 years old and comes from a great system, and all these things are true, and all these things are positive, and not really many of them are negative, right? I'm not trying to make this a Mac Jones slander session. I have money on him to win Rookie of the Year. I hope he finishes strong, and I hope he gets that bag and that Rookie of the Year award because then I get a bag myself, right? But it confuses me when Mac Jones gets a load of crap, I'm sorry, when Mac Jones gets a load of praise, and Carson Wentz to this day is still getting a load of crap. Despite throwing five more touchdowns than Mac Jones, four less interceptions than Mac Jones, and the advanced metrics are, give or take, pretty damn similar. Mac's got him in a couple. Carson's got him in a couple. Give or take, they're not that different. And the big picture is they're not asked to be very different, and I think that's where we now need to look at Carson Wentz a little bit differently. In the past, he was playing for an Eagles team that at one point was very good. They had offensive weapons, they had a good offensive line, and my man was slinging. Carson Wentz was one of the most electric quarterbacks we had in the league for that portion of time—the two years really before the injury and Nick Foles won the Super Bowl and whatever we know the rest, right? He was damn good, and he was making plays down the field. He was making plays with his legs to a fault where he started putting his body into trouble, right? I'm not going to deny that either. But then after that, we saw Carson Wentz play with a pretty bad Eagles offense, a banged-up O-line and minimal 2-0 offensive weapons and carry them to an NFC East division title. And then a year later, it was the abysmal year from. The season's passed for Carson Wentz and Philly picks galore. It was ugly. It was a just terrible performance pretty much weekly for Carson Wentz. He led the league in interceptions in just 12 starts, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions topping his rookie mark in 16 starts where he just threw 14. So the criticism there is fair. What we fell in love with Carson Wentz in 2017 and a little bit in 2018-19 range of him extending plays and making the big throws down the field. We fell in love with that. He tried to keep it going and failed miserably last year. So what do you expect? If you wrote notes for Carson Wentz, right? It's just, just you, not, not uh, Frank Reich, not Doug Peterson, not uh, Dan Orvlosky on ESPN or Trent Dilford doing podcasts, whatever. If just you, me and you, right? We're talking at the bar, hanging out. What is Carson Wentz, man? What does he got to do? What does this guy got to do, man, to, to get back on track, to be respected again, to not be this disaster waiting to happen, to not be this quarterback that's the end of every joke? You know what? I think he should probably take a step back, not try to play hero ball, Take what the defense gives you a little bit more. You know, he, he has a great arm, and we know he can make those throws, but he needs to be more selective with those throws. You know, he could really, if he cuts down the turnovers, man, he's a different quarterback. If he holds on to the football, man, he's a different quarterback. If he's not getting lit up because he's diving headfirst into the end zone, he's a different quarterback. Well, guess what, man? Carson Wentz has done all of those things. Like I said, 23 touchdowns, just six interceptions. He's top 4 in the league in turning the ball over or not turning the ball over for that matter. Right? He's around Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. These are the names that Carson Wentz is next to in the least amount of picks thrown this season, right? In the interception percentage. It's Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson. That's the best four marks in the league. Now, Kirk Cousins, you can argue, and Carson Wentz have a little bit of a similarity right now where sometimes it's like, all right, they're not doing enough. And if it's Clint Kubiak in Minnesota holding back Kirk, if it's Zimmer saying we need to protect Kirk from Kirk, okay, that's fine. I can see that argument. And maybe the same argument's true for Carson Wentz. But guess what? Wentz is not where Kirk is in his career. Kirk's been this quarterback now who's a little too cautious or a little too rambunctious for five years. Carson's a new guy right now. He has to be, or else he wouldn't be a starting quarterback. And right now, he's the starting quarterback of a team that is going into the playoffs, perhaps. Perhaps, because a lot of things can still happen here, right? Going into the, uh, into the playoffs with one of the strongest rushing attacks in the league, one of the best offenses overall in the league, and a defense that flies around the field. They can still win their division if the Titans lose a couple here, right? So I don't think it's fair to still talk about Carson Wentz as an accident waiting to happen. I don't think it's right. Because if you said last year after the season, God, or right, right when he signed with the Colts, God, what does Carson Wentz got to do, man, to be respected again? He's doing those things every single thing that you would have wrote down. Hey, cut down the turnovers. Stop playing hero ball. Take what the defense gives you. Be coachable. Check, 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 check. He's doing those things. And he deserves credit for it. And in one year, two year, three years time, if he's still being Mr. Conservative, not enough juice, Frank Reich is too afraid to let him go wild, right? If those things are still true, in two years, even into next year, where it's like, all right, if Jonathan Taylor doesn't go for a buck fifty, we got nothing. If that's still the case, then we have a different conversation. But right now, after a 2020 season where he was abysmal and posted his lowest completion percentage of his career and now is back up near his career average in 2021 with the Colts, he's doing everything we could have asked and some more and some more. Outside of a multi-pick game, which was ugly against the Titans, a multi-pick and a fumble game against the Buccaneers, this guy's been really good at controlling the ball and doing just about everything that his strong head coach, Frank Reich, wants him to do, and it's putting them in a position to not just make a wild card, but possibly steal this division. So back to Jonathan Taylor. Does that help his case as an MVP? Probably not. Right? Probably not. I know a lot of the stuff Jonathan Taylor's getting right now, as far as the yards, he's so far above everybody else. He's got more touchdowns than everybody else. He's also got 11 more rush attempts inside the red zone than any other running back in the league. Right? So, yeah, he's fantastic. Yes, he's a game changing running back right now. However, I'm not sure if MVP is the right thing for him. And I don't know if that's fair because I'm going to go, the quarterback's more important and all all these things that we've heard now for a long time. But it's freaking true, man. The Colts O-line is really good. If Jonathan Taylor wins an MVP, he best be sharing that with his offensive line because they're the guys pushing pushing the big guys around to give him these creases that he takes advantage of. He's a great runner. Again, not a hate on Jonathan Taylor. But I think there needs to be a little more fairness, a little bit more of a wide look at why the Colts are successful right now. And a big part of it is because Carson Wentz is not the Carson Wentz we saw a year ago, but much more similar to the Carson Wentz we saw three years ago. Maybe not four years ago when he was an MVP front runner, but when he was still good after that, that's the type of guy we are seeing a lot of times now. And I think as he gets more comfortable in the system, gets more comfortable. Is a leader of the Indianapolis Colts. We'll see a little more flash. Hopefully, he'll continue to keep the turnovers down. And he can be a quarterback that we all kind of expected he could be a few years back. And I guess the same thing goes with Cooper Cup in a way. I don't know, man. It's a tough one. Because you look at the MVP ranks for draft on draftings right now. Like Stafford's fourth at plus a thousand. Cooper Cup's plus thirty, five hundred. I get what Cooper cup has been doing is absolutely insane. And I get that. I think it's over literally like over a third of the yards and touchdowns, probably more than that on touchdown front from Stafford have gone to Cooper cup. Like I understand the impact he's had. I understand the the clear unstoppability. Like he's not stoppable right now. He's almost half of Matt Stafford's touchdowns this year. It's pretty insane, right? What Cooper cup is doing. But that being said, like, can you actually fathom it? Can you actually picture a wide receiver winning the MVP. This would be the year perhaps that Jonathan Taylor or Cooper cup would have the chance just because no quarterback is really getting a stranglehold on this, but you start looking up and you know, Brady had that stinker, but he's still 4,300 yards, 36 touchdowns, 11 picks, which is frisky bad. He had a few bad ones where he, he really racked up the picks and Rogers, the leader right now, Thirty tugs, four t- uh, four interceptions. Just classic Rodgers, not making any mistakes, ripping people to shreds when he needs to, taking what the defense gives him when that is what is called for as well. So I don't know, man. The MVP is a little weird right now. A lot of people are going to push the narrative over the course of the rest of this week into Christmas because of what Cooper Cup just did on Tuesday night, scoring two touchdowns, another hundred yard game. That he's the guy. That he's the MVP. He should be in the conversation. Jonathan Taylor should be in the conversation. I just don't think it's realistic. And if that's a guy who's raining on your parade and I'm, you know, being Mr. Debbie Downer at this party right now, so be it. I will bet on the fact that I will probably be on the right side of history in the sense that I will be in line with the voters. So I don't know if that's better or worse, but it's just so hard to really, really look at any non quarterback as somebody who is the most valuable player in the league. Now, granted you take Cooper cup off this receiving core this season. And what the hell is Matt Stafford? What the hell are the Rams? It's tough to say because of the freaking sheer quantity and quality that he's put on the field every single week. Like if you have this man in fantasy, you don't know what it's like to see single digits, man. You don't know. He puts up freaking 20 all the time. He's put up 36 times this season in a full-point PPR. So, maybe I'm wrong on the Jonathan Taylor front, the Cooper Cup front. Uh, the main spiel was really about Carson Wentz. Stafford, on the other hand, has been a little bit more uh, up or down than the numbers might even show. He's second in touchdowns. He does have nine picks, but it's a little bit of an up and down. Not feeling super-duper confident in Stafford and the Rams, even though he has been playing a little better of late uh, than he was at that stretch towards the middle of the season, in November, really. It was a rough November for the Rams, and now they're seeming to be back on track. But to put a pin in this quarterback idea that I was kind of working through with Carson Wentz, I think it's really important to understand where players are in their careers and who they are overall. And that's what I'm trying to get at with Carson Wentz. A lot of people are trying to hammer home the narrative that he's still bad and he's still this crappy guy that everyone loved to hate on last year. It's just not the case. It's not true. And you should be, you should be trying to be accurate when you're talking about sports. Now, if you're just a troll in your friend group, in the group chat, being a jerk, like whatever, do you, I don't really care. I'll probably fight you anyway. (laughs) You know, I'm not afraid to get into the, the group chat conversations and start arguing but like if you're on TV and you're trying to be smart like you should be doing you should be doing a better job right and if you're trying to be a smart fan in general just with your friends you should try to be saying good things here right so Carson Wentz not bad right now not bad at all solid what we all hoped he could have been when we saw the negative stuff right so around the league quickly some guys in a similar vein i already talked about Kirk Cousins Jimmy G is in the same vein, in the sense that he's not the big flashy, I'm pushing it down the field all game guy that's going to put up crazy numbers and crazy highlights. He is who he is right now, and that's okay to an extent. Clearly, the 49ers aren't married to this man, right? They don't want to say you are our guy forever, but they are definitely saying you are, are our guy right now and for until further notice because we need you and you serve a very important purpose. You're good. So if you want to criticize Jimmy G, it's very fair. But you should acknowledge what he does is effective and is important to this team that is now eight and six in the sixth slot in the NFC. Right? On the flip side, a guy like Jalen Hurts, who's in his first full year as a starter, only started a handful of games in his rookie season, is now seven and seven. With the Eagles, a team that was expected to be relatively bad this year, right? And they've been pretty competent. They've been able to run the ball. A large part of that is due to him. You know, he's running 40, 50, 60 plus yards frequently this season, right? And his passing, a lot of people love to hate on it. A lot of people say he doesn't throw the ball with anticipation. He's not making great decisions. He's not super accurate. These are all criticisms that are probably fair. In a lot of ways, right? But this is a guy in the second year who's putting points on the board consistently, albeit a lot of times with his legs. But you do what you do to put points on the board, man. You do whatever the hell you can to put points on the board. So I respect the hell out of what Jalen Hurts is doing, right? Seven and seven in his second year, first full year as a starter is impressive no matter how you skin it. Okay? So I think Jimmy G, respect what he's doing criticize who he is not and how he may hold it back the 49ers. Very fair. Jalen Hurts in year two is bad, trash, sucks. What's he doing? Fumble, interception, who are you? Get him off the team, put in Minshew. I'm not here for that. I'm not here for that because if you're saying that type of stuff, what are you saying about half the other quarterbacks in the league? Daniel Jones, where everybody wants to point to the one big-time throw that Daniel Jones has that's beautiful. The five throws a game that he has that are beautiful. Guess what he hasn't been doing in his career? Granted, he's hurt now, and I hope he gets better, of course, health-wise. He hasn't put points on the board. He hasn't utilized that great speed he has to find ways into the end zone. He hasn't consistently given you 40 to 60 rushing yards a game like Jalen Hurts has. When you are a young quarterback and you're trying to figure it out, you need to exhaust every resource, every game, to put points on the board and put your team in advantageous positions. That's something Jalen Hurts is doing week in, week out, with some bumps and bruises as expected. This man wasn't a top five pick in the NFL draft. He wasn't expected to be a starting quarterback at this point in time. Does that mean he should be... Free of criticism? Absolutely not. He should be criticized for some of the things he does, for some of the bad throws that you feel like he can be better with. But he should be praised for putting points on the board every week, no matter how he has to do it. It's something that a lot of quarterbacks cannot do, and it's something that fans of a team like the Eagles right now will take for granted if they continuously crap on Jalen Hurts. And team. Fans of other teams, man, we're in New York. We're right here in New York. Most of the people I know are Giants fans and Jets fans. And how many people in the group chats today, Jalen Hurts blows, Jalen Hurts sucks, this guy's terrible, I can't believe it, two two uh, turnovers in the first five minutes. Guess what he did after that? Balled out against a team that he was supposed to pull out against because they had freaking 19 guys on the COVID list. And he did what he did, just that. Your quarterback's doing that? Giants fans, Jets fans, doing anything like what Jalen Hurts has done this year? No. So let's save some of these criticisms or at least frame them properly. Yeah, he's not perfect with this at all. He needs to really get that right to be a dude. He needs to get his accuracy down to be a true franchise quarterback. But right now, he's doing pretty damn good. He's putting points on the board, man. Can't really ask for much more than that. Am I right? Am I right? I'm right, I think. That's how I feel about Jalen Hurts. I'm being honest. Baker Mayfield, he's been in and out. He's been halfway there. He's been halfway out. I don't know what to say. He's hurt. Now he's on COVID, whatever. Tua is another guy in the Jalen Hurts ilk. Is it pretty right now for Tua? No. Is he making wow throws consistently? Not really. But some of the stuff he's been doing lately against meh to bad teams is impressive. The touch the quick decision-making, that twitchiness we love from him, the leadership, the calmness, that stuff's all good. He needs to do a lot better to be a true franchise quarterback. But right now, in his first full year starting, in his second year overall, he is leading a team to be right near the playoff hunt. Again, second year in a row, right? So, you're a quarterback doing that, Giants fans? Your quarterback doing that? Jets fans? Broncos fans? Jaguar fans? Washington football fans? You know? Taylor Heineke. Not very great, right? Not great. Not very good. Guess what he does? Freaking slings it. Puts points on the board a little bit. More than Giants. More than Jets. Not good. I'm not really comparing him. He's not in the same elk. But you get the idea. That's all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. Let's talk about some games here quickly in week 16, just that I want to talk about uh, for a moment as we head into this long weekend here with Christmas Eve, Friday night, Christmas Day, Saturday. And guess what? We got football on the eve, eve, Thursday night, Niners, Titans, Saturday night, Saturday evening and night, Christmas Day football, Browns Packers should be a good one, expect the Packers obviously to win that. They're a seven-point favorite. But the big one that I am pointing at, I am circling, I am excited for, is Colts at the Cardinals. Colts, talked about them a lot, not going to hammer away. Many more thoughts on them. But with the Cardinals, however, after a 7-0 start, they're now 10-4. and They're 3-3 and at home, which this game is in Arizona. And something that I said about the Cardinals throughout their entire 7-0 start and throughout this entire season, often with my guy, Patty Boyle, who has obviously been a Cardinals backer this year, I said something about their offense feels fishy. It feels like a facade. It feels like it's too good to be true. And when I bet against them, when they crushed the Rams and I was rooting for the Rams and it felt like the Cardinals just could not be stopped down the field at all. I couldn't even fathom The idea of this offense slowing down during that game because they were clicking on every cylinder. But then you think back to all their big wins and all these amazing plays that Kyler Murray had over the course of the season. And I really, really felt this the entire year. You can go back and check the receipts if you haven't been listening. There was a reliance on Kyler Murray being spectacular and DeAndre Hopkins being spectacular to a little bit of a lesser extent, but still him being there With the gravity that he has on the outside. And we've seen it now, not just with Kyler Murray, but with Patrick Mahomes, with Lamar Jackson, with Carson Wentz. When you are relied upon to be spectacular, not just for a quarter here, quarter there, but for games and for seasons, it's not gonna work out long term. It's not gonna be the recipe for success after 10 games when there's a whole lot of film and your body's a bit broken up and your receivers are a bit banged up and you're missing a left tackle. Not that the Cardinals are per se. I'm just saying like in general, right? And that's what I felt about the Cardinals. It's it's just like, it's so sick what they're doing right now, but it doesn't feel sustainable. It's the same concept in basketball, right? If you got a guy who leads your team and, how he leads your team is by hitting tough shots every single game. He you know, he's taking and often making tough tough shots. Is that good? Yeah, you want you want a guy who can hit tough shots, right? But what you really want, what you really need to find the best version of success for your team is the guy who finds good shots, who gets off the easy shots more often than he has to take the tough ones. The tough ones might look prettier in the highlight, but if you can find the easy ones, the high percentage ones, that's how you sustain, sustain success. And that's why Aaron Rodgers is who he is because he has this demeanor and this calm in his offense, in his system, in himself, where he makes the spectacular look mundane and he takes the little stuff to chip away to allow for bigger stuff to come down the road. He'll win a game 24-17 that's a little bit clunky because he knows the script is going to be ending up being a little bit weird, right? Like that's something that feels normal for Aaron Rodgers. For, the, for Kyler Murray right now and for this Cardinals offense, that doesn't feel like the case. It feels like spectacular or struggle. And that's not the world you need to live in to be successful heading into the playoffs because one and done, baby. You have the wrong S. You don't have spectacular. You have struggle. Good luck next year. And that's the, the worry I've had with the Cardinals all year. It's coming to fruition. It's unfortunate because when Kyler is clicking, it is fantastic to watch. But always in the back of my head I say, is this going to work for 17 weeks, 17 games? So far, so good. But that's so good is really turning a tide right now. That making it sound not so good. Another exciting game we have is Ravens-Bangles. It's going to be a shit show. <laughs> That's the only way I know how to say it. It might be Huntley. It might be Lamar. I don't know if there's official word there yet. But you know this is going to be a weird game. You know it's going to be close. Right now it's Bengals minus two and a half. And I just, I'm not touching this one with a 10-foot pole. Not touching it. I say that now. I'll probably end up teasing the Ravens up to plus eight and a half. Actually, I almost definitely will end up teasing the Ravens to plus eight and a half. But I ain't touching this at minus two and a half or plus two and a half. It's just, ah, man, the Bengals have been one of the hardest teams to read this year. The Ravens have been one of the hardest teams to read this year. They both might be worse than we all thought. They might be as good as we once thought. They might be better than they are recently. So that's how I feel about that. (laughs) That's how I feel about that. And then another big one that I need to talk about and it's going to be the last one I talk about here, is um, the Bills, Pates, uh, Patriots, Patriots, Pats, Patriots. That's how you know it's 145 on a Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, and I'm, I'm losing it here. Bills, Pats, right now it's Pats minus two and a half. Rematch. My initial thought on this, and we'll see if I end up making it one of my final picks or not. Everybody was so impressed with what Bill Belichick and the Patriots' offense and defense did to the Bills in Buffalo, in the blizzard, windstorm, whatever the hell it was, right? Everybody was so impressed. Oh, my God. Bill ran the ball every play. He didn't care. The Patriots out physical them. They ran the ball down their throats. They killed them, right? These are the things we heard about the Patriots after that game. And the Bills, ah, man, can't score. This team, fraudulent. They were smoke and mirrors all year, right? This is all the stuff that we heard about that game and after that game. And you throw in a couple of other L's for the Bills around then. You know, they got smoked by the Colts just before that. Haven't looked fantastic since. I mean, they you know, a big win against the Panthers, but was it that big? Uh, it was a little more frisky than it probably should have been at some points there. However, that being said, that game in Buffalo ended up being really close where the bills had multiple chances to win multiple chances to take back the lead. And right now we're going to go into new England right now. The weather says 41, partly cloudy. I'm not looking at them crazy here, but my point is it's probably not going to be a blizzard. It's probably not going to be a crazy windstorm like they had last time. And that obviously works out to Josh Allen's favor and this team that likes to Pass the ball and even though the Patriots have been a better passing team by the all the advanced metrics than probably a lot of people thought the Bills clearly have the more superior explosive plays opportunity play opportunities with Josh Allen again despite the numbers really going to the Patriots favor with some of that stuff I like the Bills here I like them splitting on the year I don't care that it's in New England I don't think the Bills are going to come up soft because Bill and the Patriots ran the ball down their throats and dominated them the whole game because I just don't think that's true. I think they're going to come out with vengeance. Come out saying, yo, y'all got us. You guys are not nothing, but we are not going away. And you thought you racked up this AFC East, it's all yours? Nah, guess again, tied. We're tied now. And we have one more week or two more weeks to go. So I really like the Bills here. I think he was overblown the success the Patriots had a few weeks back in that matchup. And I think it's going to be another even one where the bills can clearly have an opportunity to win this and the weather will help them do it without, you know, there being a blizzard. We'll see bill Belichick might pull out the weather machine and, you know, make it rain. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. And last but not least, I said that was the last one, but we also have Dolphins-Saints. I forgot about that one on Monday night. just want to do a quick passing mention. That's an exciting game. Both 7-7. Seven and seven, Both coming off nice wins. Tua, you can argue how effective he's been, but he's winning games right now. Waddle, I think, should be back. Taysom Hill, you can argue how effective he's been despite some good running efforts. The defense can shut out the Bucs. That might have been their Super Bowl last week against the Bucs. Can they come out with that same level of energy? Can they do what they did to Tom Brady to Tua? You would think, right? You would think. So I got to take an eye and look at this, who uh, who the public is betting here, who the big money, sharp people are betting here. Because I have an inkling. I'm, saying, uh, I'm thinking about going with the Finns on the road in New Orleans, thinking about it. Plus three is not a bad number. Maybe we'll see if we can get it at plus three and a half some places, right? But it's not bad. I think the Dolphins and the Saints are very similar right now. I think they're evenly matched. And if a lot of people are feeling the juice, drinking the Kool-Aid, after the Saints shut out the Buccaneers, I think there's a chance the Saints might be drinking the same Kool-Aid, which should give the Dolphins a chance to come in and punch them in the mouth early and make this one ugly and interesting. Because, yeah, Taysom Hill did it just enough to get some points on the board and beat the Buccaneers, but... This Dolphins defense has been turning people over. And we know Taysom Hill is prone to doing just that. So that should be quite the interesting game. And that's pretty much all I got here, man. It's now Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, whatever you want to call it, almost 2 a.m. But I had to get something out for y'all. You know I appreciate everybody listening always. I appreciate the Basketball Podcast Network. Appreciate DraftKings. Shout out to everybody, all of you who listen, man. I'll be back next week as well. Try to get Alec and Andrew on. I'm not going to do a Spider-Man spiel by myself, though I would love to. Can't do that without those guys. Hopefully you saw it and enjoyed it. And if you didn't, go see it, man. It's freaking awesome. It's freaking great. I really liked it. Obviously not going to say any spoilers now. Um, So that's that. And thank you for listening, man. Merry Christmas. If I don't talk to you before then, catch me on social media at Subway Sports Talk on Instagram, TikTok at Subway Sports Talk, T-L-K, at the end on Twitter. And keep up with those picks, man. Three and two, three straight winning weeks. We're going to try and keep it going into week 16. Feeling that that Christmas luck. I'm feeling a Christmas miracle. Five and zero this week? Who knows? Who knows? All right, Pete Kennedy, signing off for Subway Sports Talk. Thank you guys for listening, as always. Have a great Christmas. Have a great holidays. Happy New Year. Stay safe out there. It's crazy. With the COVID, just do your best. Give a hug to your loved ones. That's it. That's it. Cheers, everybody.